Welcome to episode 220 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we are looking at Season 9, Episode 17, Release. The original air date was May 5th, 2002. The average IMDb user score is an 8.3 out of 10. And again, the action primarily takes place in and around Maryland. There's not a lot of travel this season. I think that, well, it's a combination of two things. One is having a super soldier arc and a lot of events transpiring within the FBI building itself. And another is that this way they don't have to justify keeping Scully involved because she still lives in the city. Although now she no longer has to worry about directly raising a child. Not that a mother who gave her child up for adoption stops worrying about the child, but it's just no longer an obstacle to being sent across country by work. The pre-credits teaser starts off with some text on screen saying the tip, and Doggett follows an anonymous tip into a tenement building, a rundown hotel, and he's knocked down by someone who you'll eventually find later, as he's exploring within the apartment, he finds some wet stucco, pulls that out, and there's a dead body that's been plastered inside the wall. That body is sent to Quantico for an autopsy, and Scully is using it as a teaching aid, asking people what they know or what they can tell by looking at the corpse. And one of her students, who is a little bit off in his demeanor, there's just something that doesn't sit right in his physical body language. We know that immediately, so kudos to the actor. He's able to give a rundown saying, no, this is what happened. This is bruise here from the hilt of a knife. He got mad because he, she dodged and he didn't kill her in one strike like he tried. So he stabbed her three times in anger. This is an unemployed single mom who picked up the wrong guy at a bar. He gives a very complete breakdown. And his information is just disturbingly accurate, to the point that even Doggett is open to some kind of psychic phenomenon, and he asks this guy to look into his son's case. As viewers, by this point, we already know that he's aware of the case. We've seen the inside of, a, of his apartment, which is wallpapered in murder victim photos. And some of those crime scene photos are of Doggett leaning over Luke's body. As the episode progresses, we find that there's a recent parolee who's got mob connections that might actually be the one responsible for the murder of Luke Doggett. And it's this FBI cadet who tips them off to that. As they're pursuing the investigation and pull up his files from the NYPD, Doggett realizes that something's not right here. This guy is too close to too much organized crime to have received this little attention from the police. And he's thinking that someone was on the take. And it's at this point that Reyes takes them into Brad Fulmer's office and confronts him. Turns out that when she broke up with him and just disappeared, it was because she saw him taking a bribe. And she still cared about him enough that she didn't want to destroy his career, so she just left. And he's claiming that, no, he wasn't receiving the money, he was paying the money. But as things progress, we find out that, yeah, when he was in that unit with the NYPD, he did, in fact, take bribes from their prime suspect. 
The FBI cadet, however, lied about who he was in order to get into the FBI on false credentials. He is a schizophrenic, and he's got a lot of other issues. So he has now become a prime suspect in Luke's death. He does convince Doggett otherwise, and Doggett follows their main suspect out, and the main suspect kind of hypothetically says, well, this could be what happened, and describes that Luke was essentially a victim of two crimes. The kidnapper was not his killer. The prime suspect for the murder was just his kidnapper and his abuser. He had an unhealthy interest in young boys. And the actual killer knew him, came into the apartment unannounced, found them together, and had been seen. And that's just not acceptable. And so there was a solution to that problem. And as Doggett's trying to process this information that he gets from the guy, the suspect leaves the bar, Doggett's stunned for a while, and then he draws his gun, goes to chase him outside. Before he gets there, there's a gunshot, people screaming that he's been killed. He goes out and finds out that Brad Fulmer, who tried to break off his unethical relationship with this man, shot him in the eye. Now, based on that earlier conversation, this does mean that Fulmer's career is about to end as well, since videos of him accepting bribes in the past were promised to be delivered to the Washington Post in the event of the victim's death. But this does wrap up the dangling plot threads and solves the case of Luke Doggett's murder, which Doggett's ex-wife says, well, maybe that'll get John enough closure that he and Monica could have a healthier relationship. She sees a lot of potential in that particular couple. So for the cast and crew, this episode is the seventh and final X-Files writing credit for David Amon. He worked on the story with John Scheiben and has the sole teleplay credit. Now this is John Scheiben's final credited episode of the X-Files. So this is his 46th and final writing credit for the show. Now Kim Manners eventually directs 51 of the episodes of the series. This is number 50 on that list. He has one more X-Files credit to come. This is the sixth and final appearance of Carrie Elwes as Brad Fulmer. This is the second and final appearance of Barbara Patrick as Barbara Doggett. Jared Poe plays Cadet Hayes. This is the first of his six credits. His second was later this year in the Firefly episode Bushwhacked, where he played an ensign. He also plays Carlos the Bartender in an episode of Angel titled Underneath. And his other three credits are CSI Miami, Alias, and Our Man in Madras. The IMDb also includes his writing credit as 9-1-Mum in his top four, alongside X-Files, Alias, and Firefly. In fact, he was a WGA assistant on set who convinced John Scheiben to let him audition for the role, even though he had no acting background up to this point, and he successfully won out over about 30 other candidates. Sal Landy is a man we've discussed before. This is his third and final X-Files credit. He previously played Detective Kadri in Closure and Agent Landau in Without, here he plays Nicholas Regali, the actual killer of Luke Doggett. He is still active today. 
Now, Victoria Galagos plays Fowler's assistant here. This is actually her third appearance in the X-Files as receptionist, Falmer's secretary, and Falmer's assistant in those three roles in Permanum, Nothing Important Happened Today to and Release. We have discussed her work before. Now, Avery Glimp plays Diener, or Diner, I forget the pronunciation of D-I-E-N-E-R. He's got 25 acting credits to his name, including some in post-production, still active today. Best known for his work in He Got Game, this episode of The X-Files, Simon Says, and Oz. Kate Lombardi plays Woman in this. This is one of her four grand total IMDb credits. She was also Paula in Face Value, a reporter in We Were Soldiers, and a Catholic schoolgirl in Girl Fever. Now, three of her four credits are 2002. Her role in Face Value was 2001. Kip Shiotani plays Cadet One. He's got 29 acting credits to his name, best known for his work in Barbershop, Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, and Pretty Rosebud. He is also still actively working today. Finally, Mandy Levin makes her second and final X-Files appearance. We have discussed her work before when she played Angie in Alpha. Here she plays Ellen Parrish. So this episode, again, is a really nice touch for Doggett. The big piece of his backstory that was slowly built over the first half of Season 8 is completed here. Again, the X-File found them, which, okay, this guy was obsessed with crime photos. It's not totally out of the way, but it's still not a case where they were getting assigned to work on it. And once again, Agent Reyes has had some pretty minimal involvement. If we look at her last three episodes, well... In Jump the Shark, everyone who wasn't a lone gunman got sidelined because that was really their story. So that's not a slight against Reyes. That's just what that episode needed to be. In William, she, again, she had a few things to do, but we still don't really know her decision-making process. We get a little bit more of that here because of her background with Brad Fulmer. And we know that she made a questionable choice in letting him continue when she knew he was on the take even though that compromises someone as he's moving up the ranks in the FBI. So it, the little piece that we learn about her here doesn't really put her in the best light. But we do have a couple more chances to see where these guys are going. So join us again in two weeks' time when we take a look at Sunshine Days. And then two weeks after that, we will look at both parts of The Truth, the original series finale. After that, we will continue on with the second movie and seasons 10 and 11. Thank you for listening.